Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast. So this is the podcast that helps you, dear listener, to connect the dots of discipleship. Hey, Rick, this is uh, this is your last message. We're going to talk about the last message in your series, uh, The Fourth Word. You know, Rick, it's just kind of uh, looking backwards. What were your expectations of what you wanted your church to understand, and do you feel that was accomplished? Yeah, my, my goal when I started out was really to, to sharpen our Christian worldview. Mm. I feel like sometimes it gets a little uh, out, out of focus. Yeah. We um, live, in, live in the world, going through the world every day. You kind of lose that sharp focus on, uh, and, and especially on some challenging issues right now. Uh, we looked at creation, marriage, sin, and life. And I wanted to sharpen our focus and really make sure that we were looking at those four key areas uh, that are really hot topics in our culture right now. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that we were looking at those through the lens of Scripture. Mm. And yeah, I think we, I think the feedback I got, I think people enjoyed it, benefited from it would be a better way of saying it, of saying, yeah, you know, I think. Sometimes I forget to always look through Scripture and say, okay, what does the Word of God say? What does my authoritative source say about creation, marriage, sin, life, other topics like that? Yeah. Now, this is a, a kind of a basic question, and, and I don't mean to, to sound so basic, but, but I think it bears reminding. Why is it important that not just a disciple... I mean, you would obviously expect a disciple to base their life and their uh, their worldview and, and and their directions from the scriptures. But why is it important? Why 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 is scripture so authoritative? Not just more authoritative, but it is the author the the author, How would I put that? The authorized uh, truth. Yeah, the authoritative uh, guide for our lives. Yeah, yeah. The answer to that is. It determines everything. Hmm. Your your view of Scripture actually influences, impacts everything. Hmm. And the you know, the analogy I used throughout this series was you're at a fork in a road, and you have to decide what is your fourth word going to be, in hmm. the beginning God or in the beginning no God, <laughs> and that decision. If you say in the beginning God, then your your next question is well. What has God said? Well, yeah. there's God's word in their scripture. And the decision you make about if you're going to go left or right in that fork in the road yeah. will determine literally, Sean, everything. Everything for the rest of your life for all of eternity. Yeah. I was just having a, a great discussion with a friend where we talked about how the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he was... He was being confronted by, or he was confronting the devil, uh, he said those those famous words that that, that actually from the new te- the Old Testament, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Is there more you think to that than what we we as humans really understand? Yeah, or well, can appreciate. I th- yeah, I think so. And you use the word authoritative. 
uh, we, we have to, Sean, I, I know you hear people say this a lot too. Uh, people will say, yeah, you know, I know what the Bible says, but I, <laughs> the minute you hear that, you go, oops, yeah. you just started going down the other path. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I know the Bible says I need to forgive, but I was really wronged. Yeah. You know, I know the Bible says uh, yeah, I need to, but, you know, I, mm-hmm. that's the problem. There's yeah. the challenge, and that's why you have to make that decision is the Bible going to be the authoritative guide for my life? All right. Well, we beat that. Well, I have enough. So without further delay. So this past week, you you discussed the fourth word, which is God, on the topic of culture. And you based it on 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, so that's actually kind of a detour away from Genesis where we were kind of, kind of camping out. Why did you feel that was necessary? Yeah, I added this one into the series because this particular text in 2 Timothy 3 is on the Bible. On the, it's the great uh, passage on Scripture being inspired or God-breathed. Uh, this is the primary place from which Christians get their worldview. Is mm. your worldview going to be based on Scripture or is it going to be based on some other authoritative source? And the bottom line, Sean, if you doubt the authority and the authoritative role of Scripture, then truth immediately becomes relative. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Now, if you base, base your, your, your truth authoritatively <coughs> on Scripture, then it's, you, you will always say, well, I need to see what the Bible says about losing my temper, about yeah. controlling my life, about loving my neighbor as myself. But if the Scripture is not authoritative, then everything becomes relative. It's That's right. situational ethics. It's situational relative truth. Yeah, yeah. So you began the message by saying that, unfortunately, modern Christians struggle with our role as that peculiar people or uh, sojourners or pilgrims. I mean, is that really true? I mean, how about the fact that one-third of the world is Christian? I mean, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would add one word there. One-third of the world says they are Christian. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, would, yeah. they would put that, you know, they would be under that banner. Yeah. And the concern, and I mentioned it Sunday, the concern of poll after poll of interviewing thousands of people, thousands of Christians, people who claim, yes, I am a Christian, um, the, the concern in these polls falls into two areas, attitudes and behaviors. Yeah. Sadly, in every poll, there is no distinct difference between Christians and non-Christians in these two areas. Wow. They tend to have the same attitudes towards life and the same behaviors in life. Oh, my goodness. Sad. I mean, yeah. people, when they, when they read these polls, they, they do a double take. Surely yeah. that's not true. Now, that's not to say that all Christians, that there's no distinction between them yeah. and the unbelieving world. But the sad truth is, statistically, and there's the key when you do polls, that statistically, no distinct difference. Right. That's tragic. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can objectively say here at Grace that, that Pastor Allen, our children's pastor, He's actually looked at the numbers 
of how many people actually come to church, and we're talking about parents with children, how many actually come on, the, on, a, on a regular basis. And do you remember that number? 1.5 times a month. 1.5 times a month. So we have four to five Sundays every month. Wow. 1.5 parents are bringing their children for instruction in the Word of God. Yeah. So you wonder after that, boy, you know, you know, are you kind of curious why your, your, your children don't seem to obey you? Or are you kind of curious why there are still um, um, character defects in your life? Maybe. Maybe it's because they're not showing up. I mean, that's just for church attendance. And see, we are a conservative, Bible-believing, <laughs> Bible-harping-on church. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the importance of teaching Scripture and learning Scripture and being guided by Scripture. Now, if that if those are our numbers, can you imagine churches that do not emphasize studying the Scripture? Can uh. you imagine what their their numbers would be? Point five. Oh my. If at all. I'm getting a little depressed. So (laughs) Let's move on. Let's move on, right. Well, the Bible seems to make a distinction between God's people and the Gentiles, sometimes referred to as as pagans. Actually, what it'll say, for instance, in Ephesians 4.17 and 1 Peter 4.3. So the the commands that the the great apostles give, the first one is, uh, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, or the the pagans, in, in the futility of thinking. And then the other one, you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, respectively. So if you draw a definite line in the sand, I, I think about what our Lord described about, about the kingdom of God, that we're to be a city on a hill or a light in the world. I, I mean, is that a, a correct correlation? Yeah, I think it the is. Two? And Sean, did you notice the two key words that you used when you quoted, first of all, Paul and Peter? Uh-huh. Uh, the, the word thinking, yeah. you know, in the futility of their thinking, according yeah. to Paul. And Peter, uh, you spent enough time in the past doing. Look at those two words. Yeah. The thinking and doing. What, what have we just, what did we learn about when we looked at all these Christian polls? That oh. have thinking and doing. What are those? Attitudes, behaviors. Attitudes, behaviors. What are, what's Paul concerned about? What is Peter concerned about? Having your worldview influence and impact the way you think and the way you live. Our our faith has to make a positive difference in the way we think and the way we live. And Jesus said, you've got to be thinking and living in such a different, unique way from the culture that when people look at you, you stick out like a like a city on a hill, <laughs> you you uh, the contrast is so strong. You're like a light in a dark world. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. Now, okay, why does God want His people to do something so hard? That's so hard to do, Rick. And we we like things easy. We like our creature comforts, right? You know, I, it takes a lot of concentration for us to be different. Why? Why is that? Well, yeah. The world is going to hell in a handbasket, <laughs> and God doesn't want anyone to perish. The yeah. Bible's clear. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everyone, everyone to come to salvation. Yeah. So again, we we come back over and over again here, here at Living Your Dash podcast that 
there's a war going on. Yeah. And there is good and there is evil. And there are two opposing forces. And God is sent Jesus to rescue people out of the kingdom of darkness and deliver them into the kingdom of light. Yeah. And a battle is going on. You know what? Battles are hard. That's right. It's ugly. It's difficult. And you use the word, you know, why is it some, why does God want us to, to do something that is so hard? Uh, because the stakes are so high. Yeah. Well, I think uh, objectively speaking, I mean, w- w- the Bible says that we're sinners. And uh, because of that, I don't want to do what's right. I don't want to do that which is wise, ultimately. I want my way. I want, we, we all know that human nature, if we know anything about objectively about human nature is that we want to take the path of least resistance and so uh, we're all going to have to make decisions I mean decisions are are going to uh, basically uh, set the trajectory of our, of our life what we say we want we, we can't spend like there's no tomorrow and expect there to be a tomorrow absolutely and uh, you know Jesus was very clear there's a narrow road and oof. there's a broad broad path yeah and you know walking on a narrow path that that takes work takes effort takes that's concentration right. that's right you know the, the word that I think of that that makes us different in in the word I guess I just like that word sojourner or pilgrim uh, Peter commanded in first Peter 1 7 live your lives as strangers uh, which uh, the Greek word is paroika um, which is where we get the word parochial um, when he uses that here, uh, he says we're to do that, we're to live our lives as strangers in, in reverent fear. It makes me think that it's not not so much a culture war that we're called to fight. Sometimes I, I hear that on, on like talk radio or, or things like that, that we're in a culture war. I, maybe it's not so much a culture war, but, but that our role and attitude should simply make us odd. Uh, odd to the point of making others comfortable. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, we if we're living the the life of Christ and Christ is living in us, we are going to make some people uncomfortable. Now, for other people, uh, we're going to be rather attractive. Right. Uh, they're they're they will look at our life and they will either be angry and turned off because light exposes darkness and mm-hmm. they don't want the darkness exposed in their life. That's right. Or other people will be drawn to the gospel because they see a positive, attractive difference in us. And you think about in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, you're the salt of the earth. You're mm-hmm. the light of the world. Well, what do salt and light have in common? They're both good. They're yeah. both very, very good, very positive. Salt. Uh, man, there's a, this world is so bland and tasteless. Christians are to add flavor. Yeah. You know, we're, we're to spice things up. We're That's to right. bring bring joy and happiness, genuine joy and genuine happiness. A light, a dark culture needs light. That's right. And, and so Jesus is saying, you have a huge responsibility to, to have a positive role in this world. You're to bring salt, you're to bring light, and it will turn some people off. Yeah, but it will attract others. Right. You, you're fond of saying that we. One of the things we have to to remember is that this world is not our home. Um, that we, like Abraham, we're sojourning, we're pilgriming right now, and, and there's a purpose to it. 
Um, you're not supposed to fit in. If yeah. you're a Christian, if you fit in too much, then something is wrong. That's you right. haven't really discovered um, that you're an alien and stranger in yeah. this world. Yeah, and that's 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 a fu- fundamental concept. Um, when I think about about this topic uh, that that you've presented, I, I also think about um, the Lord's own command for us to remain in in Him. So I think it's what John fifteen four and five. Am I getting that right? I don't yeah, remember. John fifteen. John fifteen. Thank you. And so <laughs> when He says, "Remain in Me, and I will remain in you," right? How does that concept figure into, well, first of all, no longer living as the ethnos or, or, or in the culture, uh, with, with the pagan culture, and then also living as sojourners, as pilgrims? Yeah, think of it. Any realtor will tell you the three magic words, location, location, location. <laughs> well, you just gave the new location for believers. We now live in him. There's a there's a location change. That's a geographical change. We move from being in the culture to being in Him. Yeah. Listen, when you have a new address, a new location, you have an entirely new set of values and ethics and and lifestyle. Think about think about a person. We talk about real estate. Think if you you lived in a little bitty shack in the poor part of town, and suddenly you won the lottery. And you bought a brand new house and a beautiful new subdivision. Well, guess what? Everything changes yeah. because of a new location. Um, people look at you differently. They would expect you to maintain your yard in a different way. And they would expect you to paint your house and, right. and uh, you know, not park your car in the, in the front lawn anymore <laughs> like you did at the old place because <laughs> you didn't have a driveway. Yeah. It, we have to understand that with a new location is a new set of values and a new set of morals and ethics and it's a whole new lifestyle yeah it it takes it takes a while doesn't it oh it does for that to really take seat and uh people aren't going to like it you warned us i mean well the scripture warns us uh in the passage that that you uh that you preached on that if anyone who wants to be godly in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. Persecuted. Yeah, you're going to be abused, ridiculed, left out, overlooked, yeah. uh, made fun of, called all kinds of silly names. Yeah. Because you don't fit in. Okay, so sometimes I think people they hear that scripture, you know, and they think, well, you know, I should I should just be as obnoxious as possible in my holier than thou attitude. You know, <laughs> I don't actually think people mean to, to do that, but they sure come off that way. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. And yeah, you, God never called us to be obnoxious. Yeah. He called us to be attractively different. There should mm. be something appealing to us. So, you know, the, it's like a magnet with two, two sides. We're, to, we're supposed to be the attracting side, not the repelling side yeah. of a magnet. And, but you know, at the same time, we very clear scripture we should expect persecution and opposition yeah but you don't have to be obnoxious i like to say it this way christians don't have to go looking for trouble trouble will find us right so you look at jesus he never went looking for trouble but wow did they ever find him that's right paul peter the other apostles they didn't go trying to create trouble but everywhere they went 
boy, they stirred up trouble. That's right. It wasn't because they intended to. It was just the natural reaction of, of that, that, that conflict between a Christian worldview and a secular worldview. Right, right. You know, honestly, it's, it's, it's hard after a while not to feel as, as a Christian, okay? And so I'm just going to do a little bit of admitting here, all right? It's hard not to feel a little smug about how we're chosen, we ha- that we have our treasure in heaven, that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How do we keep ourselves balanced so that we are not that obnoxious guy? Yeah, it really helps to begin every day by just looking in the mirror and say, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Mm. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. Uh, that attitude, though, is something that Christians must always be alert to. Yeah. I, I was thinking of the... Uh, uh, Paul addresses this very problem over in Romans 11. And folks, you can turn over there and read it after the podcast today. But this was this was a problem that the Gentile Christians were having in the church in Rome. And they were kind of bragging, you know, that... Well, you know, branches were broken off. Talk, talking about Jewish people who didn't accept Jesus. Yeah. Said, so, you know, they, they they talk about they're the chosen people. Well, branches were broken off so that we Gentiles could be grafted in. And Paul says, listen, you got to remember, you stand by grace mm. through faith. And if God broke off the uh, natural branches because of their pride <laughs> he can break you grafted in that's right branches if you if you don't deal with your pride issue yeah so i guess the good news sean this has always been a problem two thousand years pride it just it can come up and we can be we can be very very proud of our humility mm. very proud of our humility yeah and we have to be careful yeah which is I think about those great scriptures that, that command us to, to be humble yeah, and not God, think of ourselves more than we ought to. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble, yeah. Oh, so important. You know, Rick, I'm, I'm encouraged that you know, if we surrender, if we surrender to, as, as you talked about, the teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, then something wonderful can happen. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, or the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. What kind of works might he be thinking of? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, Sean, because very often I think when we hear the word good works, we think of church work. Right. You know, oh, it'll prepare me to serve in a ministry at my church. It'll prepare me to uh, teach a class of children at church. Mm-hmm. No, no. Notice he says, every good work, every good work. Sean, is it a good work for you to be a good husband? Absolutely. A good father. Yeah. uh, A good employer, employee, uh, a good citizen, a good neighbor. Mm. Uh, The scripture, uh, I know this sounds very simplistic, Sean. (laughs) The scripture actually works. (laughs) It actually works. When the Bible says, you know, here's what you need to do. If you will do it, it will work. Yeah. So if you're a husband or a wife and you're struggling in your marriage and you think, man, something is wrong with our marriage. All right, go to Scripture and see what the Bible says. So you, here's an example. You turn to Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, husbands, <clears throat> love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, 
All right, so I'm going to, I'm going to, the Bible says do this. I'm going to see if it works. So you start loving your wife like that, you tell me if it won't work. That's right. And then it, wives, you know, what does it say? Respect your husband. Yeah. Show your husband respect. Well, uh, that won't work. I've got a nagging. I, I never will get anything out of that guy if I don't nag him. But I tell you what, I'm going to try what the Bible says. All right, I'm going to show him respect. And you know what? It will work. Yeah. That That's the glory of Scripture is it actually works and it will equip. And the word the word there in the Greek, equip, really means outfitted. It's mm-hmm. the idea that when you go camping or fishing, you know, you got to get the right equipment. You That's have right. to be outfitted for hunting or camping or fishing. Listen, you need to be outfitted for marriage. You need to be outfitted for parenting. Yeah. Every every aspect of your life, you need to be equipped so that when you get in that situation, whatever it is, whatever yeah. circumstance it is, you're going to have the right equipment to succeed. Wow. I think that's a, the, the beauty of the scriptures is that they're, they're, everything that's important is, is right there for us. Whether it's le- self-leadership, leadership in the home, leadership at at work uh, or self-leadership at work or at the home. It's all there. Yeah. Some people misunderstand. They think the Bible is this ethereal uh, (laughs) instruction book that has nothing to do with real life. Have you never read the Bible? Oh, my goodness. It deals with every single aspect of your daily life and how you can succeed. I mean, it really is. It's the instruction instruction manual right here's how you can operate optimally in life yeah that's wonderful now the one thing that that perhaps may create an an impingement rick is that what what if after the series i recognize that i'm failing i'm failing in the in the areas that you described what do you recommend yeah, let me ask you, Sean, you ride a bike. Uh, uh-huh. Have you ever fallen off a bike? Absolutely. And what did you do when you fell off? Uh, I hurt. Uh. <laughs> did you sell your bike and say, I'll never ride again? Oh, heck no. No, yeah. you got back on the bicycle. Absolutely. Here's the point, folks. You know, we're all going to fail. We're yeah. all going to flop. We're gonna, always going to have bad days, bad weeks, bad seasons. The secret is when you fall off the bike, you get back on. You, you get back on. And in particular in this series, I mentioned that I think what happens with Christian worldview is we tend to drift away from our Christian worldview. The world starts sucking us in. Yeah. Uh, to quote J.B. Phillips' translation, the world starts squeezing us into its mold. What do you have to do? You have to get unsqueezed. You have to get out of that mold. And so you, you, you just have to recognize okay, uh, I'm getting a little fuzzy on my Christian worldview. I'm, I'm not looking at my marriage, my parenting, uh, the way I treat people at work, the way I treat people at school. Uh, I'm getting a little fuzzy there. I'm, I'm acting more like the world than like Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. what am I going to do? I'm going to beef up my Christian worldview. I've got to beef it up. I've got to get refocused and and realize, okay, here's some areas that I'm I'm drifting. Yeah, we all drift in life. It's like going down the highway. If you don't hold onto the wheel, you're going to drift. Yeah. So what do you have to do? You let the Word of God train you, equip you, rebuke you at times. Yeah. Train you 
to be going in the right direction. Yeah, boy. And as any sailor will tell you, you don't drift to any place significant. No. You've got to power it on. So, well, folks, the, the music is starting, and that means it's time for Rick's Quote of the Week. All right, Rick, what you got for us? Well, all the way through this series, we've been looking at the contrast between God and culture. Mm-hmm. And here's what we have to remember, and this is a truth, whether we like to admit it or not, and it's an anonymous quote, and here's what it says. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Ooh. You just have to accept that truth. Yeah. That truth is going to sound like hate to those who hate the truth. If yeah. people hate the truth, the minute you speak truth or live out truth, yeah. they're going to interpret that as you hate me. Right. No, no, no. We just love the truth. That's right. That's right. Wow. Fantastic series. Had a lot of good, so much great teaching out of that. So, uh, Rick, thanks so much. But, Rick, what else is happening here at Grace? Well, we turn the corner into fall officially with our fall campaign. Yeah. This coming Sunday, very excited about Created to Dream. And this is a full-fledged campaign. Uh, we have books available for people. Uh, Rick Warren's new book, Created to Dream. hmm uh, we have study guides. We have daily devotionals. We even have T-shirts and yard signs. I'm hey. telling you, we're going all out. But this is an exciting series to me because about a year ago, well, right when the book came out, I read it and I thought, yeah, we need to go through this as mm. a church. Mm. It, it, the whole premise is, Sean, that God has created us to dream. He yeah. gave us an imagination. And our problem is, we had that imagination when we were children. We dreamed great dreams, but then life kind of beat us up and it beat the dream out of us. Yeah. We need to realize that God created us to dream great, great dreams and accomplish great things. Mm. And this series, very practical, a step-by-step process of what, what are the actual stages God uses to grow our faith so that we can dream again. Wow! It all stages. starts this Sunday. Amazing! Wow! Hey, a second thing coming up this month, October twenty-eight, twenty-nine. We're having our very ever first family fest. We're very excited about this. That's all day Saturday, Sunday. Going to be fun for the kids, for yeah. adults. This isn't one of those where you drop the kids off and go shopping at Walmart. No, no. <laughs> this is where you park the car and you get out. There's going to be games, food great opportunities and uh, people can just go to roswellgrace.com learn more about family fest there right all right rick thanks so much for your time audience thank you so much for joining us here on living your dash thanks for spending time with us today we hope that you've been encouraged and better informed we love to get feedback so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com if you like what we're doing here at living your dash please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.